Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in episode 11 of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. I'm your host, Andy Dirk Johnson. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We got a ton to get to. Uh, This week, we'll take a look at the upcoming schedule, preview all the stuff that's been going on. Uh, It's going to be a busy, busy episode. And uh, man, these Hawks, we talked two weeks ago with Nick Merrick, as we do on every single episode, and Portland was on the brink of clinching that playoff spot. And we highlighted that was going to happen at some point that weekend. It did. And now six teams in the Western Conference have clinched those playoff spots. But as he pointed out, the main goal was not just getting there. We knew they were going to get there eventually. There's a long ways to go in the regular season. The main goal for them still is chasing down Everett. And it's crazy. I mean, you go back and look at the standings and where they were two months ago, it would have seemed unthinkable. But the the kind of hockey this team is playing, getting another win this week on the road up in Victoria and splitting those two games up there uh, after taking the ferry over, they're only a point behind Everett right now, a point out of having the number one overall record and, and the number one spot in the Western Conference. They're six points clear of Seattle. So there is a lot still to play for, a lot on the line, especially you look at the upcoming schedule and knowing you got Seattle three times, twice in their barn over the next week. And they, they beat up on you the last time they were here. So there's a lot on the line, but the way this team's playing, they, they, they set their eyes on the U.S. division, a big win up on the road in Everett, a come from behind win last Friday, and they feel like they're on the brink, potentially a topple in the silver tips and taking over uh, that top spot in the U.S. division. We'll talk about that and more what's to come with Nick Merrick here coming up in a little bit, the play-by-play voice who hops on uh, every single episode, and I can't imagine uh, he's gotten a ton of sleep because that team... <laughs> They came all the way back from Victoria for those two games. Take the ferry. You drive all the way back down. You get basically a half a day of rest, and then you're going to turn around and drive right back up to Seattle. So they are busy and getting ready for another road game here tonight. Time of recording this on a Friday morning. So they're, they're, they're a little road weary, and it's going to be a tall task for them going up on the road again tonight before returning back home uh, tomorrow. But before we do that, we are, we are really excited about this. I've been thinking about this one for a while. Thought it would be fun to have him on the second that it was announced. And uh, the Portland Winterhawks had four former players that went over to Beijing to compete in the Olympics, the Winter Olympics. And I, it's always a proud thing when an organization has something like that happen. Uh, one of our favorites and one of the best to ever wear a Winterhawk jersey is Tyler Watherspoon. And the second we saw his name show up on Team Canada's roster, I thought we got to ch- track him down, find a way to get him on the podcast. You, of course, know him. He was in Portland from 2008 to 2013, the alternate captain of that, that championship team in 2013, played 239 career games in Portland, 
And, uh, of course, as I mentioned, one of four former players uh, from a, the Winterhawks to go over to Beijing and compete in the Winter Olympics. He's a current member of the Utica Comets, and they have the best record in the AHL. So they're having a tremendous season, and he's teamed up with another former Hawk, Chase DeLeo. So I'm going to talk to him about that, the, the, the experience this year in Utica, his time in Portland, and then what it was like for him in Beijing. I had the chance to catch up with Tyler Watherspoon earlier this week, and I think you'll enjoy it. Good morning to you, man. How you doing? How's everything going? Morning. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I just, I mean, I want to walk back and, and, you know, I can't remember exactly when the date was announced, kind of the NHL ruling on who could go to the Olympics and who couldn't, but what was that process like? You're kind of sitting around. When did it become a reality that you're going to be going to, to Beijing and representing Canada in the Olympics? Yeah, it was uh, kind of crazy. I, I, I remember hearing that. It was like, I can't remember exactly when it was, but uh, kind of, uh, you know, shot in the back of my mind uh, that they'd be possibly inviting a couple guys here in the AHL who are strictly on AHL contracts. And um, I actually previously in the last Olympics had a teammate go over for Team Canada. So it kind of shot in the back of my mind, didn't think too much of it. But uh, actually over Christmas break, um, got a text from uh, my assistant GM here saying that I was being considered and um, just thought that was an honor to just be considered with a bunch of players that uh, I've right. you know, done in Canada before and um, been at that level and um, kind of just, got an email over the next couple of weeks of a long list of guys, some that I knew, some that I'd played with in the past. Um, but kind of going from there, um, just kind of played my game here. Um, tried to keep it in the back of my mind, but not too much. Just tried to keep playing solid in Utica. And we had a good team here, which I think helped out a lot. Um, but then uh, we were actually on a road trip to up to Laval in Quebec. And I got a co- I got a call from uh, Coach Claude Julian, just letting me know that I made the team. It was kind of out of nowhere. I didn't have the number or anything, so <laughs> uh, kind of surprised me a bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, I got a call from him, and um, he sounded excited. And uh, obviously, I was pretty pumped to be able to represent my country. And um, just made that first call with my wife and let her know, and uh, it was pretty pretty special moment. I mean, I could imagine, man. How much did your phone blow up when that, and like when it was publicly released that you were going? Did you like a thousand calls, thousand texts? What was that reaction like? Yeah, it was kind of crazy too because I found out, and uh, it was about a week and a half before I even left for Switzerland for camp. And um, trying to keep it quiet was kind of the hard part to try not to tell people because <laughs> you know it kind of asked us to keep it quiet and not let anybody know and. Uh, my teammates were actually the first to know uh, outside of my family. And um, I think even a couple of days or three or four days into Switzerland camp, they didn't even announce it. So it was pretty crazy. I was all the way over there at Davos and uh, <laughs> phones are blowing up and all social media and stuff like that. So um, it's tough to keep up with all of it, but uh, it's nice to see like all the support and all the people that uh, were thinking and wishing me good luck. I mean, I know, I, I know Hawks fans were excited too. when they saw it. you were one of four former winter Hawks that got to go and it would just kind of gave fans even that extra incentive to, to watch when you guys were competing. Now we all, obviously we watch it on TV and I've read stories about what it was like for the athletes there, but I mean, give me a peek behind the curtain on that. I mean, just being in Beijing, the COVID protocols, just what was that day in and day out routine kind of like for you? Yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. I mean, um, it was kind of, uh, a weird, weird, weird situation we were in. I mean, we kind of got a taste of it. We were in, obviously, starting in Davos, we had to be tested every day and um, kind of stuck with, uh, they put us in kind of little groups to eat together and um, they were being very cautious because um, they didn't want anybody to test uh, heading over to Beijing. But uh, when we got there, it was kind of a surreal experience. I mean, we got off the plane and 
the first thing you see is just a bunch of people in hazmat suits. Oh, wow. You know, we're here. I'm living here in Utica and uh, things are pretty open and, you know, you, you, you go over there and everything's just kind of, everything's locked down. We're kind of, we're separated from the whole, all the civilian people. And, um, you get ha- there's the, the hazmat people welcome you. You got to go over and do all these custom stuff. Um, there's about six checkpoints just to get out of this, uh, out of the airport. And, um, I just remember, you know, the second, second checkpoint is we had to get tested and shove a swab all the way down your nose and they <laughs> shove one all the way down the road and you're like, what the heck is going on right now? But, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty surreal experience on that, that aspect of it. It took about four, four and a half hours just to leave the airport. Um, it was a long process, but, uh, we finally got to the village and, um, it was, a, it was a really nice village. The The living situation was really nice. I got, I got to room with uh, three other players. Um, had a nice, like a little bit of an apartment feel. Um, and it was it was cool. I got to room with uh, Adam Cracknell, a longtime NHLer. Ben Street, who I actually uh, played with uh, my first rookie year in Abbotsford. And, and then I also got to room with Eric Stahl. So it was, it was a pretty sweet uh, experience just uh, being with those guys, learning, their, like hearing from their stories and stuff like that. Um, I know one tough part was the food. Um, mm. It's just adjust, adjusting to that over there, and not something you're used to coming from America, uh, coming from Canada and America. So um, that was a big adjustment. And but overall, it was, it was a pretty sweet experience. Just you know, seeing the other athletes. Um, wasn't able to meet a lot of people because everybody was so, you know, focused on their event and didn't want to, you know, have that chance of, you know, getting COVID and. Um, especially when they've worked so hard to get there. So, um, but I got to meet other Canadian athletes, which was really cool. And, um, and yeah, pretty much, uh, just a surreal, surreal experience. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I love that story too. Getting a room with some of those guys, kind of an apartment complex style where you get to pick their brain. I mean, it just, I, I can imagine that's such a cool moment for you just kind of sitting around realizing you're there. And then, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, through the last two years of COVID, you know, fans being in the arena, not being in the arena, that you, you probably got used to it a little bit, but what was that vibe? I mean, you're taking the ice and we know how intense international hockey could be and how prideful you guys are of wearing your country's colors and wearing that Jersey. But uh, what was it like? kind of skating out on the ice and just obviously not the normal Olympic atmospheres that we're used to. Did that take away from the intensity at all? What was that like for you? Yeah, it was weird at first. I mean, um, obviously last year we weren't able to have a lot of fans and you kind of got used to that. But having this year, we had uh, we had great fans here in Utica and mm-hmm. most most buildings in the AHL have. Um, you kind of get back to used to that. So you got to adjust and go back to an atmosphere where, yeah, you're right, it's it's the biggest state or one of the biggest stages at the time. And there's probably 2,400, 2,500 people in the stands and most are media. So, um, it is a weird, weird feeling. Um, I don't think it brought the intensity down at all. They're, they're really good hockey games, really good competition. I mean, there's some great players on other countries. So, um, I don't think it brought down the comp- uh, the atmosphere at all, but it would have been great to, you know, play in front of in front of a lot of fans but at the same time in the back of your mind i don't think i'd be there if the situation was a little different so sure, yeah um, i go on there just trying to take it all in 
Yeah, yeah, the catch twenty two there, but God, what a what a cool thing we do. I mean, were, was your speaking of your phone blowing up? Like after every game, you get in text from all sorts of buddies and former teammates and family. That I, I'm sure. I mean, the time difference is weird, right? We're watching stuff like middle of the night or early in the morning, but were you getting hit up constantly? Because I, I mean, it's such a big deal for you know Canadian hockey in the Olympics. I know you guys didn't finish probably the way you wanted to, but uh, what was that like? Just just hearing from folks after every game. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of a weird situation because. Obviously, I had my phone in Switzerland, but we weren't actually supposed to, or they told us not to use our regular phone in Beijing. Oh. So, I uh, once I got on the flight uh, from Switzerland to Beijing, um, they kind of recommended just to let your phone die, and they gave us burner phones. So, they gave us <laughs> phones that had phone numbers and um, stuff like that. So, while I was there, I wasn't really talking to many people because I only gave a select, you know, close family members and friends uh, my actual Beijing number. So um, during that time, uh, while I was there, I didn't really have much contact with uh, a lot of people. But uh, once I left, um, I was able to turn my phone on and see all the messages and uh, stuff from everybody that, uh, you know, was, had written after the game. Obviously, it was time had passed, but... Um, was able to respond to them, and um, it was pretty cool to see, you know, just the support. Yeah, I, I imagine that takes you a while to catch back up with everybody. You got a few weeks worth of text messages and phone calls. You got to kind of scroll through and, and get back in touch. I mean, you mentioned too, Tyler. Man, you guys are having a great season in Utica, um, and, and and you go away for a couple of weeks. But I mean, what, what has that experience been like for you in Utica? You guys got, I mean, I, I think the most points in the AHL, first place in the Eastern Conference. What, what that? What has that experience been like for you? And what's gone into this great year for you guys? Yeah, it's been a whirlwind of a year. I mean, starting out last summer, I actually. Uh, you know, with all the COVID stuff uh, going on, um, actually didn't have uh, much of op- many opportunities to, you know, pursue over here. So it was kind of a crazy time going into training camp and um, only had a couple options just to go to training camp for teams. And um, New Jersey obviously was one of them. And, um, you know, they sounded uh, you know, very enthusiastic of me coming and I didn't think too much of it. Um, came here, they were, uh, they offered me a job in Utica and, um, you know, we played them a lot last year. We had a good team in Lehigh Valley last year, so I didn't really know what our team was going to be like here, but I knew we were going to be young. And, uh, you know, right off the bat, I could tell the amount of skill. And, you know, it's crazy. I've never played much playoffs or had been on that many good teams in the AHL, and this is what uh, I could tell is a, a special team to be a part of. Um, you know, they've, they've treated me well, but also the players here, you know, it's it's fun going to the rink every day. Um, you know, like I said, they're young guys. They keep me young. I know I'm not that old, but they keep me young. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we have a really good shot to kind of, you know, really push for that Calder this year. Um, we score a lot of goals, which is awesome. And um, especially for me, that's not, I'm not the most offensive guy, but it's fun to be a part of a fast-moving team. And, um, you know, I think from top to bottom, it's it's just been an exciting time here. I just remember, you know, playing here over the years as an away team. It's really hard to play in this building in Utica, and uh, it's it's nice to be a part of that. And um, the the culture here is uh, is 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 really special. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'd imagine Hawks fans would love to hear an update because you're teamed up with another former Winterhawk there in Utica. How, how's Chase DeLeo doing? How, how's his year going? How's he doing? Yeah, Chase is great. I mean, I haven't played with him since I was in Portland, so it was it was nice to have a familiar face coming into camp here and. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's one of our top forwards that's producing really well for us. So, um, 
it's 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 fun to be around him again. We actually roomed together when we were in Portland. We were roommates uh, for one year, and it was, I think it was my last year. And um, you know, it's it, it, he's a funny guy. He's a good character on the team, and um, you know, he's really sh- shown his uh, veteran leadership um, with this team. And you know, we've we've relied on him a lot, and he's uh, come through for us. Yeah, that's really cool. I, now I, I got to ask, just kind of when you think back of your time in Portland. And you were, I mean, you were here for a, for a long time and a part of some really good teams and some great moments. I just, when you reminisce back on, on your WHO career here and, and playing at the Moda Center or the playing at the Coliseum, I just, what, what, what kind of stands out as you reminisce? Well, you know, I, it was, it was an amazing time for me in Portland. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to look back, think how far, how long ago it was, but, uh, you know, I still call Portland home. I live there in the summer times, um, and it's still a special place for me. Um, but I obviously remember just going to the games and, you know, having the fan support is uh, bar none, one of the best in the WHL and um, having a, a coach and like Mike Johnson was critical for me to even getting to this level and playing as long as I have. Um, but, you know, it, it all comes down to when we won that championship is one of the probably one of the best times in my life playing hockey. There's no greater feeling playing a sport than winning a championship and, um, just the relationships you build with those guys on a winning team is, you know, the best time. You, you I mean, I haven't had that much success since then. So, um, on a championship level, and right. you'll never forget um, coming coming back from Edmonton, getting off the plane, busting back to the arena, the veterans, and having all the fans there welcome us, and you know, bringing the trophy back to them it was it was an amazing time, and um, obviously that moment I'll never forget. <laughs> That had to have been the, your uh, one of your favorite post game celebrations, I'd imagine, right? You guys finally break through in 2013, and just the reaction that that locker room scene that that still got to be on top of your list, right? Oh, 100. percent And just coming, uh, just after losing that, I think I think it was game, or I think it was game five. We lost, and we we're we we're all bummed out. We wanted to win at home, and we wanted to you know do it in front of our fans, but we were kind of bummed having to fly up to Edmonton, but doing that and doing it in their barn and after especially uh losing to them the year before is is a nice uh you know push back and it was a great feeling to just finally get that monkey off your shoulder after going two years in a row with uh losing in the finals and um kind of just i don't know it's, it's kind of hard to describe is is a smile from year to year and um fun playing right back. Well, I know it's one of the best teams that's ever played in Portland and it's one that's a fond memory that I know all Hawks fans still have uh, all these years later. Do, do you stay in touch with anybody from the organization? Did anybody reach out to you when they, they heard the announcement you're going to the Olympics and any, any back and forth? Yeah, just, uh, you know, previous coaches and stuff like that reached out to me and, uh, you know, congratulated me. Um, you know, we've obviously had uh, ex trainers and stuff like that, that uh, just kind of wrote me on Facebook or social media. Um, just congratulating me, which is nice, and um, still keep in touch with them since uh, you know every year I kind of try to come to training camp, and so I got a good relationship with all those guys, and it's nice to have, uh, you know, especially there's not many not many hockey guys that are uh, that are in Portland in the summers, and nice to have that relationship still. We miss you in Portland, man. You're one of the all-time greats that have ever played uh, for the organization. A great career here. Continued success this year in, in Utica. Hopefully you guys finish on top. And congratulations, man. What, what a cool moment to be able to represent your country uh, and go to Beijing. Can't, can't thank you enough for taking us behind the scenes and explaining what that was like. We really appreciate it.
No, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, from Tyler Watherspoon here on episode 11 to our favorite Nick Merrick, the play-by-play voice of the Portland Winterhawks as they have been on the road for a long, long time. It feels like, thank God, next week's schedule looks a little bit of downtime, some sleeping in the own bed. Uh, Nick, how are we doing, man? How's all that bus travel uh, treating you and treating the team? Oh, it's been a tiring week, that's for sure, Andy. Uh, I think the team's just kind of ready to go because the, the final 12 games of the season now upon us, and there's some big tests. Uh, there, there's no easy route now for the Winterhawks uh, to finish this one. They're going to be pretty battle-tested moving into April, which is always a good sign. You want to have those challenges late in the season and work out those problems before playoffs. Not that the team really has many problems, um, but but it's going to be a very exciting stretch of hockey. They're, you know, first four games and five-night stretch here. That kind of simulates that playoff atmosphere grind. And uh, now you have some huge rivalry games coming up. Of those 12 remaining games in the season, seven of them are against either Seattle or Everett. So this is going to make for a really entertaining finish. Well, and let's get to that. I mean, because we talked on the last episode, Nick, about how, you know, they were going to clinch a playoff spot. We knew that was going to happen. But they, and you said this, they're, they're not done there. They're setting their sights on Everett, and they want to chase down Everett. And they got that huge win last Friday up on the road in Everett. It was a big one. And then you got, you know, three of your next, what, four whatever games are against Seattle. So you're going to face them a ton. Yep. How, just how do you think they're they're matching up against both those teams right now? Because it's like a double whammy, right? You're trying to chase down Everett and bring them down, but also you're like, you know, fighting off Seattle with a stick because they're only, what, six or so points behind you. Uh, what's that back and forth like, and how do you think those matchups are going to play out here in the next two weeks? Well, the Hawks played terrific against Everett. Uh, they've been in a nice stretch where they've won the last four games against some points at five straight. So uh, the team's kind of turned the corner when, when they did back in Thanksgiving time. Uh, that's kind of stood true in the series against the Silver Tips. So I like the way they're matching up there. I think getting three more tests against Everett's going to be really good, uh, just to kind of make sure that you know you get a good, you get the full sample of how they're going to play, uh, and you make sure that you can keep playing your style and, and get that confidence. Because if you can win seven of the last eight, let's say yeah. moving into playoffs, now if you meet in the postseason, you're going to be a little bit never Ted. There's not much about it, but uh, kind of looking back to a few years ago, the players talk about those things. They say, "Oh, Spokane, you know." We just couldn't figure them out, could we, in the, uh, in the regular season? Like, that, that sometimes happens. That'll linger in the playoffs for teams. So if you can get that mental edge over an opponent, especially as good as Everett, that, that'll be a big uh, reason for success. And Seattle's played well against us as well. I think, I think the two teams match up very evenly. Uh, win-loss record there is, is, is exactly uh, even, essentially. The Hawks have five wins. The, the T-Birds have four. Um, but those three games that you just alluded to, three of the next four games against Seattle this season, so that's where the standings will kind of get shaken up. And not only that, but you look at other divisional matchups, through a lot of these battles within the, you know, within the Western Conference are going to be figured out. Kamloops is playing Kelowna a bunch. Victoria and Prince George have six in a row. Uh, so there's going to be some big-time figuring out uh, weeks ahead here in the Western Conference to, to see how teams are going to do going into playoffs and Obviously, everyone's fighting for their playoff positioning still. And as long as that top seed's still alive for the Hawks, that's going to be their goal. Yeah. That's always the number one goal. They want to try to win the, the division. That way they get one of those top two seeds. Then they want to try to win the Western Conference and pass either Kelowna or Kamloops. Uh, and then, obviously, if that falters at any point in these next uh, two or three weeks, then, then it'll just come focusing in on, on clinching home ice and make sure that you, uh, you, know, you give yourself uh, – 
the advantage at home for the first round. Yeah, that's always big. It's crazy, too, to look like it feels like four different teams potentially uh, have a have a legitimate shot, maybe even five have a legitimate shot, potentially still winning the, the or finishing with the best record in the Western Conference. So it is a wide open race. Um, I, I saw the team announce that they've got some team bonding stuff coming up in Bend. Like, what, what's going on there? A little downtime before the playoffs start, a little, uh, little road trip. What are you guys doing over in Bend? Well, Mike and the coaching staff always likes to get uh, an opportunity for some players to just kind of come together in a non-typical hockey fashion. He always likes to incorporate hockey if he can. Sometimes we've seen in the past years when the team was able to make the trip out to Alberta, you know, they're going to the ranch in Calgary, or they're hitting up Jasper on the way through to the long eastern swing. Um, so those kind of things are always pivotal because then it, it just allows time to, you know, disconnect a little bit from your phones. You're, you're going to be together, so you aren't going to have to worry about going home to billets and and being on your typical, like, normal Monday through Friday routine. Uh, so Ben's a little change of that as well, where, the, you know, travel this year because of COVID is a little difficult, uh, but there's a, kind of a semi-outdoor rink, I guess there's an open-air rink in Bend that the team's going to go to. Nobody on this year's team's actually been down there before, but the Hawks have done it in the past, uh, probably about five years ago, and they're going to be working with some of the uh, local kids in the Bend area with some hockey drills, so they'll have a couple, like a mini clinic. It'll That's be like so a lighter cool. skate. They'll have some fun and, uh, you know, maybe take a maybe take a little hike in the morning and then just come back. So it'll be just a nice little day trip after, uh, you know, the team wraps up the two games next weekend against Seattle. So it'll be a grind, obviously, uh, to finish and get into that Ben trip. But then hopefully a little bit time to come together, get a little closer, get to know each other a little bit more, um, maybe maybe make some kind of playoff message or slogan or, or uh, you know, something that the team can kind of unite under as they get into the postseason. That is so cool. I love uh, just kind of the outreach to other parts of the state and getting people involved and, you know, little clinics and, you know, growing the game. I just, I, I love that story. That's going to be a lot of fun. Great team bonding. It's crazy to think we basically got a month left in the regular season. Uh, what was it like being back up in Victoria? Was that an enjoyable trip for you guys and the team? Oh, it's fantastic. Victoria is always one of the best trips for everyone. Coaches, players, uh, staff, myself. It's just it's just a different experience getting to go across the uh, you know the ferry. We went up the Port Angeles, crossed it. Uh, you know, you're kind of in your own little. Well, you are. You're on Vancouver's island, but you're yeah. on your own little island for uh, <laughs> uh, for a couple of days. And obviously, then after the game ends, the, in the WHL, there's always this go 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 mentality where it's like, okay, you know, get up, breakfast, go to the rink, workout, go to the game. Uh, game ends, go to your next travel appointment. Uh, but in Victoria, it kind of slows you down a little bit. You can't leave the island right after your game. So it allows you a chance just to take your time with dinner, have some conversations, go back home. You can put on a show if you want. Um, coaches could do some more video without feeling extremely rushed. Um, it does leave for a travel day the next day. Now, that being said, uh, the, the joke in the, um, uh, on the ferry on the way over here to Tawasin yesterday uh, was, was we, we were kind of talking about the fact of, you know, this is great for about once or twice a year, but I don't know how these teams do it 20 <laughs> to 30 times a year. So it, it is a little different, uh, but when you, get to, when you get a chance to experience it and then go over there, and, and it's a good destination spot, too, even for vacationing uh, outside of, you know, the WHO schedule. So uh, there's no time to vacation on this. It's obviously a business trip for everyone, but uh, it gives you a couple ideas for some players if they want to tell their family members, hey, let's come back here and check out this brunch spot or, uh, let's go to the botanical gardens or whatnot. I love that. Yeah, I don't know that. That would be a long journey to you know to to have to play there multiple times a year. It's great. I I could see that twice twice a year. You get a little back to back games. Boom boom. We're out of town. You get to enjoy a beautiful city in uh, in Victoria. If I had told you, Nick, let's say I don't know, uh, late November, early December. 
that we would be looking up at the halfway point, essentially in March, not quite, but almost the halfway point. And this is a, a time yep. of recording on Friday morning that Portland would be one point behind Everett and one point out of having the best record in the Western Conference. What would your reaction be? Oh, it'd be tough. I, I don't. I don't know if I'd be able to say they'd be able to come this back, and make this this race this close. Uh, so, really, kudos to the players there for doing. That. I think they have thirty wins since December first. They've been outstanding in the last three months, and they, they've had very few blemishes. Now, unfortunately, as I say that, the team did suffer you know pretty bad loss on Tuesday. They didn't want to lose that game to Victoria. Yeah. They, they needed to go to Victoria get the four points. Uh, you know, they couldn't quite convert, but it's a learning experience. It's okay. Uh, Victoria's won two of the three against the Hawks. But the big thing now is you look down the stretch and you're excited. Uh, but w- when you look at the standings, Everett has a pretty easy schedule left. They still have some games against Tri-City and Spokane. The Winterhawks already finished the series against Spokane. Uh, but the Chiefs are now in a playoff spot. So they're, they're in the seventh seed right now in the Western Conference. They've actually been playing much better hockey. Um, so Spokane's a little bit more dangerous than I think when the Winterhawks last saw them. But the schedule, in terms of like the strength of schedule, if you will, uh, for Portland, tough. Four against Seattle, three against Everett, two against Vancouver, in which the Giants have already beat the Winterhawks this year because of Jesper Weichmann, uh, one against Kamloops, and then a couple against Tri-City. So you got two more against Tri-City that you've obviously done really well with. Uh, and then Kamloops is a battle. you got those two out in the U.S. division that are tough, and then uh, no easy game there with Vancouver. So, it, you know, it's a tough stretch. There's no really – tough. Yeah. There's no – Prince George teams that you're 4-0 against. There's no more Colonas even that you're 4-0 against. You're growing up against teams who have beaten you, and now is when you kind of got to get that extra gear and say, okay, let, let's, let's you know, you essentially have your uh, playoff destiny in your own hands, so you just have to take control of it and win some big games. Yeah, it's going to be so fun to watch tonight just to see how they start that journey in those final uh, handful of regular season games. It would be a big one to go on the road, beat Seattle, especially with the way we remember when the last time these two teams faced, Seattle came into your barn and they beat up on you. It was, you know, they jumped on you early, and uh, it, it was a pretty dominating win for the T-Birds down here in Portland, so I would, I think Hawks fans would love to see Portland return the favor. I got to ask about mascot night because it's one of my favorite nights of the year uh and it's one of the you know the the, the big highlight of the weekend you guys are finally going to be back in your own beds and get a home game uh coming up this weekend but uh, what's what's the mascot night highlight for you are we going to see nick merrick down there in a costume skating around <laughs> unfortunately i gotta do my uh my 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 duties in the uh broadcast booth that'd be pretty fun that'd be with the old resume uh asterisk <laughs> yeah, other come on. Assigned. we need yeah. to get like a, we need to get you one of those like portable microphones so you can but you're down there with like a you know a Fred Meyer mascot on or a Lesh does Lesh Rob have a mascot? Put one of them on and skate around. Do do the intermission report. <laughs> That's a very good point. That would actually be unbelievable. Or just come down or in between the bench reporter if we had that capability, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> but it's going to be a fun night. There's there's plenty of mascots and and plenty of very familiar friends uh, to those who tune in uh, to different shows and movies. And I don't want to give too many spoilers. Um, but also a couple of WHL mascots as well going to make attendance. Ooh, okay. so, uh, it'll, it'll be a fun little party there for, for the night. And obviously a little different experience with it being in the BMC rather than the motor center. Uh, but you're still going to have all the same things that you would uh, from previous years. So you're going to have the, the game against the junior winter Hawks during the second intermission on Saturday night. That's always a riot. Uh, and then of course you're, you're going to be able to mingle with some different uh, local mascots, some uh, Pacific Northwest based mascots, and uh, just kind of just enjoy a different night, get some pictures in the concourse. It always has a different vibe. When you're walking around the rink on that Saturday game, it just feels way different. It's a very cool experience. Like you said, it'll be good to be home. I'm sure the team will be excited to be home, and they're going to want to play well because they're they're taking on Vancouver, too, so they haven't seen them in a while, which I I know when you talk to players, they get excited about seeing different opponents. So I know they enjoyed facing Victoria this week just because it was, you know, different video sessions and different looks at people rather than seeing the same thing for 
10 different games. Um, so it's going to be a really good atmosphere. I know the fans always love this one too, and, and the team appreciates that because they, they really feed off the energy. And there's been some terrific crowds here, uh, really in, in a couple of February games now into early March. So, uh, let's keep that going. Let's, let's just have some fun for some Saturday night and then, uh, just kind of see what that next week does because you got to get momentum if you're Portland moving into the following weekend uh, when you have those two games home and home against Seattle again. Yeah, and it's going to be a big weekend, uh, not only starting tonight and against Vancouver, you point out next weekend and everything that's on the line. And a reminder to fans, too, that the, the mask requirement and vaccine requirement gone this weekend. So, uh, you know, for a lot of folks, you could kind of hang out at the VMC if you haven't been to a game for whatever reason this year, but uh, th- those requirements are gone. And so I expect a, a great crowd mascot night tomorrow uh, at the VMC. Nick, you, you were probably exhausted. I'm sure you are. I can't wait for you, like through you, to get to the, the next week where you get a little bit of downtime and no midweek games and no long bus trips up to uh, to Victoria. So get through tonight, get through tomorrow, enjoy a little bit of downtime, and uh, thanks as always. Go get some sleep before you got to call a big one tonight. Yes, sir. Let's have a good one this weekend. I'll appreciate the time, Andy, and looking forward to seeing you back in the rink. All right, I can't thank Nick, and I can't thank Tyler enough. Uh, really enjoyed both those conversations. I'm glad Nick was able to get a little bit of sleep. And Tyler, what a great experience for him and, and an awesome moment to get to go over and you know wear your country sweater and play in the Olympics. Such a cool moment. He, he is a class act. He has been since his time in Portland. It was so fun to catch up with him, and I hope you enjoyed that. The, the Hawks, man, they, they are just they're, they're turning and burning back up on the road in Seattle tonight. And then, hey, don't forget, Hawks fans, tomorrow night is mascot night. It's one of my favorite nights of the year. Vancouver is in town. So that one's going down tomorrow. you got three games against Seattle here in the next week or so, and that's going to be big. That point differential right now between Portland and Seattle is six. So, Portland, you're still trying to chase down Everett, but you're also you know reaching behind you and trying to hold Seattle back. You don't want them to chase you down because then the matchups get a little bit tougher uh, in the first round of the playoffs. So a ton still to play for. we got about a month left in the regular season, and it is going to be a sprint and a ton of fun. So crazy to think from where Portland began the year – that here they are with a month to go in the regular season, and they're one point out of having the top record in not only the U.S. division, but also in the Western Conference. So a ton still on the line, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't thank you enough for tuning in again. Episode 11 of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. It has been crazy. The Hawks got some downtime next week, so the goal is to get back over there. Uh, no games during the week. They're going to be at home finally, sleeping in their own beds for a while. So I'm going to try and sneak over to the VMC and get some player features for you. Uh, But still more fun stuff to come as we're inching closer and closer to the WHL playoffs. And, God, it's going to be great to have fans back in the building for those. Cannot wait. Thank you so much again for tuning in to Episode 11. Don't forget to get out to Mascot Night. The vaccine mandate and the mask requirement are gone at the Memorial Coliseum. So it should be a great atmosphere on Saturday night. Until next time, go Hawks. You came from his office said, son, can I help you? Looked at him and said, yes, you can. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni. Yes, I do. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.